I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. We worship at Island Creek Elementary School, 7855 Morning View Lane, every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. People who think Ash Wednesday is depressing, I think totally don't get it. I mean, I understand why confessing our sins and marking ourselves with ashes and reminding each other that we are going to die isn't exactly Disney on ice, but it's not depressing. If anything, I think it's refreshing. It's refreshing in a way that only the truth can be refreshing because we know deep down that we live in a death-denying culture which tries to tell us that we can live forever with the right combination of exercise and yoga and vacations and elective surgery. With enough money, you can stretch and inject and massage and vacuum out enough skin and enough fat as to appear that you have not actually lived each day of your life consecutively since your birth. And it's, it's all very tempting. Yet we know that after buying into all the anti-aging solutions society has to offer, all the self-help strategies thrown our way, that you, that you won't actually be younger in the end and you won't actually look younger in the end. You'll just kind of look a little shiny and distorted and you won't actually be getting better by helping yourself find yourself, but you, you will be more confused than ever about who you are and whose you are, which all just feels like a metaphor for all our pathetic attempts at immortality. So it's refreshing, I think, it's a refreshing thing that we and Christians all over the world do today. Ash Wednesday, we gather to remind each other of that truth, to remind each other of our mortality. We tell each other that inescapable truth that we are dust and to dust we will return. It's downright audacious that 
amidst our societal anxiety, amidst the sinfulness of the church and our anxiety about the hurt perpetrated and about the church's impermanence, that we just, we just blurt out that truth that all will die as if it's not at all offensive. But the thing about blurting out this kind of truth about ourselves is that after we do it, after you do it, you can finally exhale. <sighs> it's like the moment when you stop having to spiritually hold your stomach in. Because while we are denying this truth, God is delighting in it. This is what we hear today, what we proclaim today together in Psalm 51 in our confession it says, indeed, you delight in truth deep within me, God, and would have me know wisdom deep within myself. And the thing is, this truth we speak tonight about our mortality is often offensive if it's heard as an insult and not as a promise. It's only offensive when it's heard as being the last word but it's not. It's, it's not the last word. The same is true about confessing our sins. People who think I'm some <laughs> crazy liberal are always so shocked about how important I think it is to talk about sin. I think social liberals tend to think admitting we are sinful is the same as having low self-esteem. And then social conservatives equate sin with immorality. So one end of the church tells us that sin is an antiquated notion that only makes us feel bad about ourselves, so we should avoid mentioning it at all. And the other end of the church tells us that, that sin is the same as immorality and totally avoidable if you can just adhere to biblical law and be a good, squeaky, clean Christian of you lived out in in the hideous legislation of general conference. Yet when, when sin is boiled down to low self-esteem or immor immorality, then it, it becomes something we can control or limit in some way rather than something we are simply in bondage to. The reality is that I cannot free myself from the bondage of myself. I cannot by my own understanding or effort disentangle myself from, from selfishness and self-interest. And when I think that I can, I'm basically trying to do what is only God's to do. So to me, there is actually great hope in Ash Wednesday, in this beginning promise of Lent, a great hope in admitting my mortality and my brokenness because then I finally lay aside my sin management program long enough to allow God to be God for me, which is all any of us really need when it comes down to it, right? And this God of which I speak is nothing if not a God of hope and promise, a promise which outlasts our piety 
and outlasts our efforts and self-improvement and outlasts our earthly bodies and the limits of time. No moment in my life was this ever so real to me than it, than it was at EJ's funeral. I stood at a graveside in Raleigh, North Carolina, leading the liturgy at the funeral of a 29-year-old who took his own life. A man I'd never met, but whose parents were active members of the church where I worked. EJ was queer and an artist and had suffered from depression and addiction. And I stood and I spoke of love and Jesus at his grave. I looked his mother in the eyes and I said that God is always present in love and in suffering and that God was present both the moment EJ entered this world and the moment EJ left this world. We are dust and to dust we return. I did not know at that moment that after standing in at a funeral of one child, of someone's child, I would stand in the birth room of another. Less than a day after preaching about love and suffering and Jesus, I held EJ's nephew Sam in my arms and I thanked God for brand new life. It was Ash Wednesday. And Sam's parents asked for ashes in the hospital room for them, for EJ, and for baby Sam, too. I pressed ever gently into his brow, onto this brand new skin that had only been exposed to air for a few precious hours and said that even he, full of beauty and hope, And just hours from his mother's womb, even he will return. Will return to dust and the very heart of God. And then I knew. I knew more than any other Ash Wednesday in my life that the promises of baptism and funerals, the promises of birth and death, are so totally wrapped up together. The death And destruction within the United Methodist Church is totally wrapped up in the new thing that is right ahead of us. For we come from God, and to God we shall go. And that, oh my gosh, is there so much that gets in the way of that simple truth? And it is at times like funerals when all that other BS just doesn't, doesn't matter anymore. So Lent isn't about punishing ourselves for being human. The practice of Lent is about peeling away layers of insulation and anesthesia, which keep us from the truth of God's promises. Lent is about looking at our lives in as bright a light as possible, the light of Christ. It is during this time of self-reflection and sacrificial giving and prayer that we make our way through the overgrown and tangled mess 
of this world and of our church. And we trudge through the lies of our death-denying culture to seek the simple, weighty truth of who we are. Lent is about hacking through self-delusion and false promises. We let go of all the pretenses and the destructive independence from God. We let go of defending ourselves. We let go of our indulgent self, self-loathing. And then like, like the prodigal son, we begin to see a God running with abandon to welcome us home. But we can't begin to see this God until we hack through our arrogance and our certainty and cynicism and ambivalence. The psalmist says that God delights in the truth that is deep in us. Deep in us, that truth. Therefore, there's no shame in the truth of who we are. The broken and blessed beloved of God. There is no shame in the truth that our lives on earth will all end and that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. It's not depressing. What's depressing is the desperation of trying to pretend otherwise. What's depressing is to insist that I can I can free myself. I just haven't managed to pull it off yet. What's depressing is to self-secure holiness and scriptural authority and vitality by devaluing those whose suffering and persecution might give us the greatest glimpse of the cross. What is so wonderful about Ash Wednesday and Lent is that through being marked with the cross and reminded of our own mortality, we are free. We are reminded that the God of of your salvation, the God of our salvation, the same God who created you from the very earth to which you will return, The very God of Moses and Sarah and Abraham is also God for you. And this God delights in the truth that you are God's very own redeemed sinner, beloved in all your broken beauty. So as you receive these ashes and hear the promise that you are dust and to dust, you shall return. Know that it is the truth and that the truth will set you free. The truth will set the church free in a way that nothing else ever can. There is peace at the table.